Hey, welcome back to the Bite Size Bible. I'm Mark Dickey here with two people who helped me understand scripture uh, when I was younger. And I can't believe you guys are still around after all these years because I was, I don't know, I think I was pretty hard to love as a high schooler. Um, <laughs> well, well, you were unique. I don't think so at all. I don't think that at all. <laughs> So uh, Matt Windsor is here. He is currently the area director of uh, for Southern Delaware Young Life. Uh, how's it going, Matt? It's going great, man. Glad to be here. Glad you're here. And uh, Trevor Ewing is here as well. He is the area director for Young Life Talbot County, which is in Maryland. Uh, how are you doing, Trevor? I'm doing well. It's Talbot, but I'm doing well. So actually, <laughs> we did a thing on the radio where we were we were talking about different counties. Yeah, yeah. And I called uh, the Talbot Talbot County Library. I called them and said, "Hey, how do you pronounce the name of this?" And she said, "Either works." Ooh. She's not from there. <laughs> <laughs> she's a transplant. I can tell you she's not from there. Because anybody that's from there will say, don't say Talbot. Talbot is the store. <laughs> Talbot is the county. Well, these two have had such an impact on my life. Uh, not only are we still friends 12 years after I've graduated high school, uh, but Trevor was actually the best man in my wedding. And Matt led the marriage ceremony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, it's just awesome. The, the people that you dig into God's word with can become some of your closest friends. And uh, in the case of these guys, they're sticking with me for a lifetime. And uh, that's it. I've written your ticket, guys. You're with me for the rest of my life. Here we go. Installing <laughs> toilets and everything. Yeah, Matt helped install a toilet, Trevor, in my house recently. I guess I got to catch up now. <laughs> <laughs> we got another bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the next toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Call dibs on that one because the first one was terrible. Anyway. I'll hear about that later. But uh, these guys, you know, the people that you dig into scripture with will stick with you for a lifetime. And uh, we're going to talk about that in a few episodes, what it looks like to walk through your faith journey with other people. Uh, but today we're going to focus on who Jesus is and the time that he spent on the earth. Mm-hmm. So last time we talked about how God created the world. He created it perfect. And then mankind decided that they wanted to do what God said they couldn't do and uh, ate the fruit from the tree, which set off a long period of time where man was separated from God, where in order to try to fix that relationship, uh, things like sacrifices were came into the picture and God had a plan, and the the plan was that he himself would be the sacrifice, that he would sacrifice his own life to pay for our sins. And Mm -hmm. so God came to the earth in the form of a baby. He was born on the earth, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. And we Mm -hmm. ended with the joy of Christmas last week, last last time. So Jesus was born uh, to the Virgin Mary in a stable And the first 30 years of his life uh, in the Bible is a very brief part. Sure is. It's just not documented, I would say. And my guess would be that not a lot was going on. He was just being a good kid. There's a couple spots in scripture that show us, uh, you know, what Jesus was up to in those early years of his life. And uh, a verse that stood out to me, um, Luke 2, 
240 says this, that the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. And uh, it, it just paints this picture that there was something different about Jesus. Like hmm. he was, he wasn't like just he was a God or something. <laughs> so Luke 240 is a, is a great little verse that, that shows us who Jesus was, you know, just kind of the, the essence of who he was. Like that he's just kid. growing in, in his, in his he, godness. He's godliness. just kind of becoming the man that we're, you know. That, and it refers to as the child. So like, like he could be like seven here. He's getting stronger. And a kid. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Matt, you have children that are older than seven that you wouldn't typically refer to as children anymore. Uh, right? I do. And and they're getting stronger. They're getting stronger. They're, they're growing in knowledge and wisdom, hopefully. Yeah. Right. As we speak, even. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke 2.40 gives us a, a great view of, of who Jesus was as a kid. But there's a, another verse that, that really spells out kind of the, the, the type of, of kid he was. Um, Trevor, can you read that verse for us? Yeah, it starts in verse 41 of the same chapter I looked to you. It says, every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. First of all, I have a one-year-old. I don't know what it's like to have. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to have an older child, but like to go for days while traveling and not know where your kid is. <laughs> Sometimes you lose track, man. Have you seen Home Alone? <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Jesus. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> what a different world. Yeah. But I mean, do your kids study on their own? Well, I've hung up with a lot of 12-year-olds, and I don't know many 12-year-olds that would sit still for long enough to ask anybody a question. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Hung, hung up. Better unless, part of 15 years. Unless it was food. There, there, a Nintendo Switch would have to be involved. Right. Maybe. Yeah. More likely than not. <laughs> or an eye something. Correct. Yeah. yeah. A pad or phone. But yeah, the posture, right? Like, I've also never had a 12-year-old. So, Matt, you're the only one that can speak into this wisdom with two 12-year-olds having come through your, your reins. They're not Jesus. I can tell you that. I can Go on. tell you that. They, uh, <laughs> they're not Jesus. They so, would not be caught somewhere questioning anyone or speaking with such great authority that, uh, <laughs> that people were amazed. I can we also talk about the value of the family unit just for a moment? Yeah. Like, it wasn't like they lost Jesus. Because in the long run, they did. But they were just so aware of their community that was traveling with them. Yeah, that it didn't matter if they saw their son for days because the people that they were with probably not actually blood relatives, right? Hmm. They just knew them and trusted them. And you heard the expression "takes a village." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like here's the village. They were all caring for their own. Yeah, right. And exactly. Each other's. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah. I mean, Jesus had little brothers, right? Yeah. So like, I'm sure the little ones were all hanging out together. The little ones were hanging out together, just like it is when my cousins get together. Yeah. You yeah. know. But that's really cool. That's like. You know that there's something different about this child. I feel like I'm talking about Star Wars now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's something about this boy. This is the way. Right. <laughs> but yeah, 
Yeah, every it says everyone who the next the next verse says everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding of and uh, his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, "Son, why have you treated us like this? We've been so anxiously looking for you. Why were you looking for me?" He says, "Didn't you know that I would be at my father's house?" Mm-mm, that's good. And I feel like, you know, you think it, it, if Jesus started his ministry. Like most of the stuff that we think of when we think about Jesus, he was in his early 30s. Yeah. And I'm about to be 30. And it's like, who's going to listen to me about the Bible? Well, you're listening right now. So joke's on you. (laughs) 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 But like this kid, this God in in the flesh, Jesus was something else even at the age of 12. Right. So like. It really sets the stage for the amazing things that he's going to do. And so uh, one way I thought about uh, we kind of unpack who Jesus is was take a couple different scriptures, a couple different uh, stories uh, of things that Jesus did that really show his character. And so for me, one thing that just makes me feel so good personally is uh, in Matthew 4.18, um, Jesus calls the first disciples and it says this, that, that as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, and, Simon called Peter and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets and followed him. And what just blows my mind is that Jesus didn't go to the synagogues or he didn't go to the institutions of the time to seek out the, the, the best people. You know, when he called his disciples, he didn't go there. He just went to the shore and he found a couple boys. And if you're listening on Delmarva, you know, to this, you know, you know, those fishing boys, <laughs> salt life, salt life. Yeah. And uh, it just gives me so much comfort that, you know, I feel just like one of them. And, you know, Jesus would call them. So I, Jesus would call me too. Yeah. I mean, what's the, what the, the scripture says, aren't these unschooled fishermen, you know, like yeah. that's how the, that's how the, the higher ups in the Bible refer to Jesus and his disciples, the unschooled fishermen. Yeah. yeah. And, and also like, you know, as we talked about in the last episode, you know, Jesus is coming. The reason he's here is to pay for our sins. And you can rule out your class, your spot in, in society as something that would block you from the love of Jesus. Like Mm -hmm. he would call these random kids to come with him. And I don't have the proof, but I, uh, I've been told studies show that these kids were probably teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Late teens, probably early twenties at the oldest. Yeah. Yeah. We imagine the disciples as saints often as these older men who have, big bald spots where their halo is, you know, we imagine them that way, but at this time they're kids. Yeah. We know that they're probably older than 13 because at 13, they would typically, uh, your school ended. So you were in school until 13, which was basically just learning how to, to read the previous scriptures. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you were chosen by, by a rabbi to follow him around a disciple of another rabbi at that age, if you weren't, you decided to work for your family. So we know that they're probably older than 13, um, but probably not old enough to have a family of their own or else they wouldn't have followed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, kind of in that sweet spot of 13 to 20. Yeah. I will also say this when, when you make the comment of <clears throat> like knowing that they're just some fishermen, 
like what I also love about it is that Jesus is even in the picking of his disciples, making a declaration that says like, Hey, it's not always about what you know, like just to cerebrally understand the idea of God is not necessarily intrinsically what I'm looking for. I'm also looking for people who understand God and work by picking three fishermen, arguably three of the hardest working people in the entire community. Yeah. He's saying like, you might not know much about me, but you know how to work. Basically I'm calling people that know how to, how to actually put in some hours and grind and do some hard labor. Mark, you were talking about the, you know, Jesus calling these unqualified, you know, fishermen and things like that. But one of the things that I always loved about Jesus was the fact that uh, any barrier just wasn't a barrier to Mm -hmm. Jesus. And I think that one of the places that that's kind of on full display is in John 4 when he meets the woman at the well. Oh, yeah. And, uh, And he just decides, you know, he tells his disciples, I have to go through this way mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't really have to go through but but Even later there was on another way yeah there was another way but later on we figure out that oh the reason he had to go is because there was this Samaritan woman that was at the well and he needed to have a conversation but at that point you know Jesus being a Jew and and she being a Samaritan they just didn't talk to one another there was a a cultural and and really you know just a cultural divide between the two of them but uh, but Jesus decided he would shatter that divide and he would uh, reach out and talk to a woman which he wouldn't have done oh yeah you know so so all of these different spaces that he's just breaking through and and the great thing about this story is you know as he asks this woman to give him a drink uh, all of the sudden as he continues to talk to her uh, she just gains this knowledge of not only who he is, but also who she is. Hmm. Uh, because I think one of the things that, that Jesus does as he, as he breaks through those, those divides is he gives a little bit more about who he is, a little bit, and, and in turn, you learn a little bit more about who you are. Uh, you know, in this, as the story goes, you know, asks her for a drink of water. She responds, you know, how are you going to drink anything? The, you know, the, the well's deep. You don't have anything to draw with. Um, how are you asking me for a drink? Me being a Samaritan woman and, you know, and continues on that she actually goes and grabs her entire village and brings them out to him and says, come and, you know, and, and see a man who's told me everything about my life. This is the Messiah. Uh, you know, so so she goes from this, you know, this place of I don't want to give you a drink to wait. This is the son of God. Um, hmm. So you I want think, to know who Jesus is, right? Right. Like as we're looking at the, that passage in particular, want to know who Jesus is. Well, so is Jesus someone who cares about people that aren't like him? Well, this story is a beautiful definition of it. At the well, when he first gets to the well, that he sends his disciples, hey, hey, we've been journeying for a while. Go get some, go get some food and come back. Mm. And it's just him. And this woman comes. And you made that point of like, she says, sir, you, the well is deep. You don't have anything to draw from. What she's saying is you don't have a cup. Hmm. Yeah. And I am a woman. Hey, why are you talking to me? And he's like, and without, without, without responding directly to it, he says like, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. I value you. Yeah. Why are you upset that I would want to talk to you? And yeah. then, and then he says, when she says the well is deep and you have nothing to draw from, what she's really saying is, every other person that's ever asked me to do that has drank it out of my own cup. Will you drink out of my cup? Will you share what I have? And Jesus, in this beautiful way, is saying, 
not only will I share with what you have, but I'll share everything that I have with you. Yeah. Mm. And so like, if you're willing to bring yourself to a place where you would share with me, yeah, I'm going to share everything else with you. And when it comes down to it, he, he says, you know, if, if you knew who it was who asked you for a drink, you would have given me a drink. And then I would have given you living water, living water that will spring up inside you to be a well that will overflow, and that will never, never thirst end. again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you just, know. I'm just reminded of, uh, you know, I've, I, I've invited people to church throughout my life, and I just, there's a response that some people believe about themselves where they say, "You don't want me there," mm. yeah. or mm-hmm. I. God doesn't want me in that building. If I, I walk through the door, it might catch on fire. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, that one too. Yeah. And I, I think that that verse is a great example of that. Yeah. Like that, that Jesus had every right to never speak to this woman. Yeah. And in fact, his disciples were probably uncomfortable in that space. For sure. They were in Samaria where they weren't, like they had intentionally walked three days around that town. Hmm. never going into it so like not only is he saying that to her but he's forcing them to say hey deal with some of your prejudices yeah well Hmm. and it even says you know as you go further when the disciples returned they were surprised why are you talking (laughs) why are you talking to her (laughs) what are you doing you're gonna ruin everything right 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 but then but then like you said earlier too one of my favorite pieces of that passage is she just goes back to her town and for a little more context, she says, he says, you know, go back to your husband. And she says, you know, I, I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, you've been married five times. Like, that's kind of like a big deal, right? <laughs> no big yeah. deal. But but what he says to that to her in that is he just says like, okay, you're looking right. for something. I know who you are. I can satisfy yeah. what you're looking for. Mm. And then she goes back to the town, this town that she's hiding from, because she's there in the middle of the day. It says the sun was in the, uh, the hottest part of the day. And she goes back to the town and she looks at those people who she's been avoiding for God knows how long seven or I mean five previous husbands probably right that had that that are still alive in that town maybe with families yeah and she looks at those people and she says hey come meet the guy in a moment she went from hiding at the well in the middle of the day when it was hot so no one would see her probably just slinking around the back alleys of town to walking into town square and saying come and meet the guy who told me everything I've ever known about myself could this be who we're waiting for the courage that she gets by having what sounds like a relatively tense conversation with this guy. Yeah, right. Right? So someone who he shouldn't be talking to, according to custom, someone who the disciples are shocked that he's talking to, and a place that he shouldn't be, and this woman becomes emboldened and almost changes immediately with her interaction with him. So you want to know who Jesus is? This is a great example of who he is. Mm. So he's he's for people who might not look like him, who might have financial barriers, but he's also for people who are who are like unlovable, right? So there's another story of this woman who is who's been bleeding, and so just for some context on that story, it's it's in Luke eight that I typically read out of it, but it's a woman who's been bleeding for twelve years, and 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 she hears about Jesus coming. And so in this time, if you were bleeding, uh, you were you were cast out of society. And the reason is people just thought that everything was catchable. Mm. Every issue that you ever had medically, you had back pain, it could be given. If you were bleeding in any place, you, you could catch it. And so this woman's bleeding and everyone cast her out of town because they thought that she was broken. And so she probably lived on the outskirts of town and she had lived there for the better part of 12 years. And if she ever came into town, she had to notify people as she was coming in and say, hey, I'm in town, I'm in town. Because if anybody came in contact with her, they thought that they could get sick like she is sick. And it could be punishable by her being killed. 
right? Mm-hmm. So she's risking some of those things. So, so she hears about Jesus coming to her town, says that Jesus is coming. And so she devises a plan where she's going to touch the edge of his cloak. And I'll pick up in the story here. It says that um, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And the woman, uh, sorry, excuse me, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and no one could heal her. So she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus said. And when they all denied it, Peter said, chill out, bro. There's a lot of people pushing against you. (laughs) That's not actually what it says. It says, master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. So Peter's basically like, "Uh, you're looking like the crazy girl at the party right now. Hmm. Everyone is touching you. So what do you mean who touched you? I just touched you. So did Luke. And so did John. And so did that guy Steve over there that we just met. (laughs) Right? But then it says, Jesus said, someone touched me. I know because power has gone out from me. And then it says, the woman seeing that she, not, she could not go unnoticed, she came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told him why, that she, why she had touched him and was instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, daughter, go, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. But what I love about, to put some context on this, is that this woman comes and touches the edge of his cloak out of faith, right? She probably hasn't been hugged by anybody in 12 years. She probably hasn't been touched by anybody in 12 years. She probably actually hasn't slept near anyone in 12 years. She probably hasn't met, shared many meals with anybody that wasn't a leper hmm. in 12 years. So when she thinks about herself, in this in this culture that we're in right now, we have a pretty we have a pretty broken idea of what we think beauty and perfection is in our culture. And here's a woman who's in a culture where beauty and perfection is basically, can you get married? Can you have children? What can you provide to this town? And she's providing zero. Wow. In fact, she's wasted all of her money. So she's worthless in this community. And she touches Jesus' cloak and she's healed. But my guess is she planned to touch his cloak and get healed, not knowing what would happen next. Because I don't know that anybody would believe her. Hmm. I don't know that anybody would believe her if nobody knew. So in order for this woman to actually be restored and for Jesus to really show the value of everyone and love even the unlovables, he calls her out of the crowd not because he's so desperate to know, but because this town needs to see that she's been restored and that he can place her back into her community and say, you have been not loving her for a long time, but the God of the universe loves her. And if I'm willing to love her, (laughs) you should be able to love her too. And so I just love that Jesus calls her forward. It it was going to be enough for her to be healed from the bleeding. Right. You know, it was going to be enough for her. She had, you know, suffered at the hands of many doctors and spent all of her money for 12 years. Mm -hmm. It was going to be enough for her to just touch the cloak, be healed, and then go away. Right. That that was enough. But one of the things that I always love about Jesus is it's like, okay, yeah, that might have been enough, but it's not enough. I've got more for you. You know, so, (laughs) so just this idea that, you know, that Jesus is a person who, you know, not only does he give, but he gives abundantly. He gives, you know, more than we could ever ask or imagine. You yeah. know, so it's just, hey, here it here it is. Yeah, that's that's fine, but but let me reinstate you. Yeah, good you know, enough is not let, good enough. Right. Let me you you don't have to you don't have to ring a bell anymore. You don't have to announce that you're coming into town. You don't have to. You can be. You can marry. Mm-hmm. You can you know you can do all of these things that that you never thought were possible. Because of your faith. Right. A single touch. Yeah. I want to restore the whole version of yourself, 
rather than just the thing that you think you're struggling with. Because not only do I want to heal the struggle right. and fix the place that you feel like is the ugliest piece of yourself, right. or the thing that's the worst, the least likable, but rather I want to I want you to see that that in an appropriate place is healed, yeah. forgiven. But I also want you to be restored. I want you to have life, right, and life to the full. Can you imagine when she pulls her cloak back for the first time in the whole town, who's been bumping against her this whole time without realizing yeah. it, sees her and goes, <gasps> <laughs> right, right? Yeah. and can you imagine how she, it says she fell at his feet? Probably because she didn't want to look them in the eyes. Mm. And at the end of it, he calls her a daughter. When was the last time she saw her dad? And if and if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think this might be the only time that he calls somebody daughter. Matt, I had prepared a couple couple verses I wanted to talk about, and then you come in here and you were like, "Oh, well, what if we shared this verse?" And you re- you read it, and it was just like, "Yep, that is <laughs> exactly." exactly who jesus is and that has to be in the episode can you read that verse for us yeah yeah when when uh when i'm thinking about who jesus is when john the baptist sends people to get an account jesus says this it's found in luke chapter 7 and it says go back and report to john what you have seen and heard the blind receive sight the lame walk those who have leprosy are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So what better place to find out who Jesus is than from his own mouth? And that's what he says about himself. Wow, that's so great, Matt. You know, because of all these uh, amazing and revolutionary things that Jesus was doing, uh, all in these different towns, things that he was teaching, people that he was healing, uh, the, the rulers of the day who had, had really found a way to monetize the scriptures um, we, we use the word Pharisees that's how the Bible refers to them a lot uh, they could not stand Jesus and so they made a plot to kill him and uh, that is a whole other mouthful so we're going to cover it next time on the Bite Size Bible <laughs>